online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is uh, November the 29th, 2016. Fidel Castro, Castro, yes, has died 90 years on earth. Most of them in the service of his country. When... When Fidel liberated the people of Cuba back in the day, you know, in the late 1950s, he was a romantic hero for many of us. For me, he was a dream date. <laughs> oh, golly, yes. Uh, looked like something out of a great prose poem, anyway. Uh, we thought he might be the leader of a brave new world all through Central South America, the whole, the whole shebang. We thought of him as the true spirit, spirit of economic democracy. His death on the eve of the election of Donald Trump <laughs> gives me a chill. History happens. Uh, I think, uh, well, you know, the imagination, the imagination boggles. Uh, I just, I just imagine, say, Donald Trump, uh, making a quick trip to Havana for some R&R. Uh, it conjures up a scene from The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Hey, Cuba was and is now a hell of a lot more than just a theme park for socialism. I have always wondered uh, just how Fidel Castro might have succeeded, you know, uh, carried out all his plans for economic democracy if these United States had not blockaded his island for half a century. Uh, I was surprised that they managed to keep going as it is. Fidel, Fidel Castro, 
is, was, a world-class leader, one of the 20th century's great men, truly great men. His endurance alone sets him above other socialist rulers in history. Uh, I hope his brother Raoul is as reasonable as he seems to be thus far. Let's hope that that beatific land are... Uh, our wise neighbor, you know, uh, will not revert and go back to being uh, the bordello of the USA. That's what it was called in my day. Uh, anyway. Anyway, we got through Thanksgiving. Ha ha. I did anyway. I don't know about you. I, I did listen to the media, the voices coming from <clears throat> the tube, politicians and pundits. Uh, it's all morally incoherent. The New Yorker has a cartoon. I cut it out, uh, put it over my, put it on my icebox. It's a woman going to bed, setting her clock, her alarm clock for 2020. Yes, the year 2020. <laughs> Maybe Elizabeth Warren will run anyway. Uh, my favorite satirical spin, the best one I've seen, is Michael Moore's show, uh, HBO. Uh, it was performed before a mixed audience, and amazingly, they, they really seemed to like it a lot, even the, uh, the, uh, what is it? Uh, Trump voters. The title of the show is Michael Moore in Trump Land. Sadly, it was written and performed before the election, so there is a sadness uh, because he delivers a virtual valentine to Hillary Rodham Clinton. His spin, his thought... Uh, he insists that she, Hillary, uh, well, as far as he can learn, she's the Antichrist. No, he didn't use that word. Of course he didn't. Uh, but he just says, oh, go ahead and hate her. It's all right. It's all right. You know, I was going to say, you know, you don't have to date her. She just happens to be the most efficient bureaucrat on the planet. Never mind. Michael Moore said, well, she's just as bad as they say she is, according to the... Uh, Social media, she has 46 murders to her credit, starting with Vince Foster. Uh, you know, she's an elite, rich bitch. She went to Wellesley, uh, first woman to give a speech. Uh, student, that is, student. Uh, they have commencement speakers, but it was the first time a student spoke. Michael Moore put pictures of Hillary Clinton on the stage behind him, and they were really quite inspiring. Uh, I wish... Well, I hope that someone uh, sends her a picture of the show with Michael Moore in the foreground and all those glorious pictures of her as a uh, uh, undergrad. Anyway, he went on to say that Hillary tackled Arkansas, you know, just because she loved that goofy guy. He couldn't keep his hands to himself. You remember him, that brainless dude. Anyway, she put up with all of that and... Uh, <laughs> Both of them, yes, both of them went to Arkansas, and all she did there was just fix the schools and, you know, 
long list of things she did. She changed her name to help her image, you know, she became what the folks wanted her to be. And that got Bill elected again. And, of course, her crimes are legion. Michael Moore lists them in gory detail. And then when she said she was sorry, you remember she made that mistake. Yes, a very big one. Iraq was a big mistake, that war. Uh, You know, those senators scared her to death. Anyway, she apologized. Uh, She said she got it wrong. And, uh, of course, according to the pundits, that just proves she's not to be trusted. (laughs) It's never, never, never explain, never apologize. Michael Moore had uh, a lot of fun talking about all the horrendous crimes of the most hard-working politician in recent history. He pointed out that, worst of all, she's overqualified. So just go ahead and hate her, because when all is not said and not done, Hillary Rodham Clinton is a worse criminal than any politician In United States history, with the possible exception of Eleanor Roosevelt. You remember Eleanor Roosevelt, the mother of five, yes. Eleanor tried to persuade her husband, um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, not to incarcerate all the Japanese-American citizens during World War II. Uh, (laughs) They used to... It's such fun of Eleanor's looks, you know, looks. Uh, uh, a woman never escapes that. Rush Limbaugh uh, was the worst of the creeps on that subject. Uh, uh, well, the, oh, pardon me, the ultimate worst is uh, Donald himself. But Rush Limbaugh said, <clears throat> no one, nobody wants to watch a woman, you know, Getting old every day for four years. Yep. Misogyny, misogyny, they call that. Misogyny goes so deep, we don't recognize it. Sexism is hard to see. We think it's just reality. Back in the day when Shirley Chisholm ran for president, uh, You remember the first black woman to try to, uh, (laughs) try to get, get the, the Oval Office. Anyway, Shirley Chisholm said that she faced much more discrimination as a woman than as an African American. I watched her on a show called The Contenders. Very good. PBS. Check it out. Still on. Uh, it's about all of those folks who ran for uh, president, you know, the more radical ones. And I figured out the secret of Shirley Chisholm, one of the secrets, is that she grew up in Jamaica. When you're raised in a all-black country, you know, you have a different view of things as they are. Now, uh, as we all know... <laughs> There has been a serious backlash to the women's liberation movement. You remember the women's liberation movement? Women's lib. Uh Aha. 
Called them livers. Rhymes with another word. Yes, it was that idea that exploded in the 1970s. Uh, I think they called it a wave. First, second, third, so many waves, you know? Anyway, uh, this idea was that women were human beings, citizens, uh, now equal pay and uh, legal status. Most people said, well, that was okay. Of course, now actually, still haven't got that stuff or the Equal Rights Amendment. You know, that's the only thing that would really, really uh, make women a little safer. You know how it is. All you have to do is get elected. You can turn around and with executive orders, you can wipe the women off the map. Yes, that's the first thing Hitler did was ban them from the Reichstag. Yes, just overnight. Anyway, feminism is out of fashion. No questions. Completely gauche, 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 you know. Ah, yes. Um... I talked to a young woman the other day, she's a very sweet woman, she always says she doesn't want to read the articles and books I give her because she doesn't want to hate men. I said, you really think that that's the problem, darling, if women, if women hated men, it would all be over by Friday. (laughs) The truth is, We're addicted to them, crazy about them. They certainly voted for Barack Obama, the women. But Hillary Rodham, not so much. How could they let her down? Hispanics, Latinas, my God, what were they thinking? Oh, it hurts, hurts to think. And, you know, it's absolute agony to think twice. Anyway, I do understand uh, all those men. There's a certain type. uh, I won't call them terrorists. I'll just call them the military elite. Those are the guys who don't want her in the war room, although she is not averse to military intervention. You may have noticed she's a hawk on occasion. It's part of the job description last time I looked. Well, you know, the way they feel, it's just the principle of the thing. She doesn't belong at the head of that table. The American male presents himself as a rugged individual tough as nails. Think of Ollie North. Ah, yes, Ollie North. Think of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. You know, line them up. Sit them down at the table with Hillary Rodham Clinton in charge. Okay. That woman as commander-in-chief at the head of the table every damn day, 24-7, unbearable. For certain males, just beyond the pale, I remember long ago, uh, Rose Byrd was the Chief Justice of the California Supreme Court. There she was in black robes, a judge passing judgment. She used to bring cookies to meetings and she wore these ribbons. Anyway, Rose Byrd tried to be everything to everyone. 
The woman received so many death threats, she had to move her mother out of the house. Uh, they were uh, living together and the home was threatened. Now, the presence of a female, a woman, can pretty much turn men into emotional basket cases. On occasion, on occasion, I always have to put a disclaimer in here or I'll get mean phone calls. <laughs> yes, um, I don't know why that is, but, you know, we always have to say some men, a few men, many men, lots of men. Anyway, we know the sort of men who look at women and they turn into emotional basket cases. Uh I've never understood that, uh, but I sure as hell adapt my behavior to it. I mean, we are not born women, as Simone de Beauvoir wrote. It's learned behavior. We become subservient. Those of us who refuse to play that game, those who withdraw as much as possible, we are still endangered. Now, we may become subversive, right, subversive, sabotage, subversive, right, when we are sick to death of our subservient jobs and our roles as a support staff at home, at school, in the office, everywhere we exist. <laughs> think, think of that. That condition, the psychological condition of so many males in the world of Islam. Once again, once again, a disclaimer. Many, not all. Many males uh, over in the Middle East, they get nervous. They get nervous. Men, not just in the Middle East, but in the Far East, everywhere, in fact. Hindu, too. Buddhist, not so much, but ask a Buddhist nun if she feels, truly feels, like she is a fellow man. Uh, if she feels that the monks include her. Now, this pathology is ancient. There's no use bitching about it. Uh, we just do what we can. We know that... Uh, it's called patriarchy. That's another one. I always get crabby calls. Uh, I, I always say, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, uh, what do you call it? I'm not doing propaganda here. I'm just saying what men do. Aha. Uh -huh. And we know that from their point of view, women must be controlled. That's called law and order. Mm -hmm. Put the lid on. Woman's sexuality is somehow a threat. Very odd. Uh, women were the first underclass, the first slaves, actually. Now, we know how hard it is to pin down this human behavior. It's so hard to resist calling it just nature. That's just the way things are, dear. <laughs> of course, there is this biological imperative you may have noticed. Uh, <laughs> yes. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. Once in a while, uh, women are required to uh, reproduce and 
make two where there was but one, sure. But we know that pregnancy is not, is not disability, unless men make it so. Uh, when Barack Obama was elected, when he was elected our president, right, we were all free, free to just celebrate. Well, I mean, pardon me, all but the racists. Uh, now, as I see it, gender trumps race. There you go. Mm-hmm. Gender trumps race. It is a more profound difference. Now, uh, <laughs> Donald Trump knows this instinctively. And he's begun to say that he likes African Americans and Hispanics and Asians and anyone at all. Even gays, although he doesn't seem to know anything about the more complex gender roles. Uh, he just knows that woman is the enemy. That bitch is not going to be the boss. Not going to be the boss of me. All things female are anathema to a real man. <laughs> you know that. Uh, definition of a real man, a real man is not a woman. Ah, these women, you know, they bleed like Megan Kelly and they, they smell. Saddam Hussein always said that women need two showers a day while a man can make do with one. Barack Obama is a man. No question about it. Uh, the Donald actually met him and said he admires him, and uh, there's no disgrace in that. But he will not soil himself with a woman, one who claims to be his equal. You remember the debates? That growling bear kept circling her. Uh, now, this one, uh, <laughs> this woman, Hillary Rodham Clinton, actually implied that she was his superior. My God, uh, at least in the area of her expertise, her professionalism, her political know-how. Now, she actually bragged that she had done her homework. She was ready to go. Gloria Steinem and many others pointed out that when Trump and Clinton met in debate, uh, that was a false equivalency, you know. They're just not, not worthy opponents, you know. Um, it's not a question of apples and oranges. It's a question of, um, let's see... Apples and orange trees. How about that? Now, these opponents were not equal in experience or knowledge or skill or any damn thing. We know all about the shame, the disgrace of having an unworthy opponent. Just think how Hillary Clinton must feel today. Losing an election to D.J. Trump. Okay, boys and girls, what went wrong? What did we do? The liberal elites, the effete limey snobs, college-educated know-it-alls up against the know-nothing nihilists. Result has been the triumph of fact-free fascism. Hillary Rodham met the bull-headed minotaur in the labyrinth, in the maze, and he knocked down. I got that line out of the New Yorker. I love it. <laughs> the bull-headed minotaur. Up at the end of the maze. Kaboom. 
Well, she's not out, but she's certainly down for now. Here in Western civilization, uh, in the <laughs> in the enlightened world, our aversion to woman, to the feminine principle, is behind the mask of liberty everywhere. You know, remember that lady out in the harbor, the one with the the torch. You know. Well, we veil our women in a different way. We veil their minds. As Mark Twain once wrote, Men are fools, and they get away with foolishness because women are damn fools. Now, I see that the women in the other parts of the world often know their power, their strength, at least more than we liberated gals know it. We imagine that we can be fellow men, hang out with the boys, go into combat with them, you know, military camaraderie. <laughs> We've even made a place for ourselves in government. Well, not really, but there are three women on the Supreme Court just in my lifetime. Wow, wow. Now, that's something, that's something. I grew up thinking that the great melting pot would become a utopian nation. Creoles, all of us Creoles. Now that our DNA reveals that most of us are, are people of color, well, I thought that the truth would set us free. I did not, however, recognize the greatest impediment of all, and that is that woman is the quintessential other. Color still counts, of course, in the struggle for power, for resources, yes, for land and money. Huh. But as Yoko Ono once said, woman is the N-word of the world. Dick Gregory used to tell his mom that every time she heard the N-word, she should just remember it's the title of his book, his autobiography. Oh, Dick Gregory was such a righteous man. <laughs> he wrote, Runaway fathers shall inherit the wind. Anyway, he told us that the way to diffuse a word is to use the word. Well, that's changed again. Times have changed again and again. Now, if we are coming to the end of our republic, if we are becoming an empire with an emperor, as Rome did after the death of Julius Caesar, well, we must learn how to, uh, how to survive, how to carry on in these new waters, swim, swim in the sea. Now, too many citizens in the old days, they just took it for granted. Well, we thought the old order would accept change, or at least be tolerant, you know, the multicultural future, right? Uh, we thought that feminism, people of color, immigrants, uh, those who came seeking freedom, well, it seems that didn't work out that way. The old boys are out for revenge. Hell hath no fury like a white man scorned. That's my mantra for this season. Yes. 
white male voters are mad as hell. And they aren't going to take it anymore. <laughs> the white men and a lot of white women and too many people of all colors have thrown a brick through the window of our new age dream of a world without borders, of free schools and at least some health care and a world where conservatives can work with greens to conserve the environment where economic democracy can take hold. Back in the day, we wrote on our front doors, property is theft. The indigenous people know all about that. Anyway, I have to stop here because I've just come to the, the section. I made a note here on all the labor unions and... Uh, it doesn't really wrap up here with us all joining hands and singing Kumbaya. Yes, join hands and circle dance. <laughs> this has been Jennifer Stone back next Tuesday at the same time. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. Come with us to the Craneway Crafts Fair, a benefit for KPFA. The Craneway Crafts Fair takes place on Saturday and Sunday, December 17th and 18th, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. both days at the beautiful Craneway Pavilion on the Richmond Waterfront. If you've never been there, you're in for a treat. The fair features 200 booths of unique, creative art and crafts. There's plentiful free parking on site and a free shuttle from the Richmond BART Station. Admission is $12, ages 18 to 64, $8 seniors and disabled, youth free. Come join us for KPFA's annual event, the Craneway Crafts Fair. For information, go to cranewaycraftsfair.com. See you at the fair. <laughs>